I really wanted to try and create a world that although we had to set it, you know, slightly in the future and, you know, buy into the fact that this type of technology could exist, right, to duplicate yourself. I really wanted people to be able to watch this and kind of forget about that and believe in it enough to just go along with the ride. Hello, and welcome back to The Director's Cut. In today's episode, a man who is diagnosed with a terminal illness gains an opportunity to shield his loved ones from grief in director Benjamin Cleary's new sci-fi drama, Swan Song. The film takes us into the near future as Cameron Turner considers whether to engage in the experimental solution and possibly change the destinies of his beloved wife and son. Swan Song is Mr. Cleary's feature directorial debut, His other directing credits include the short films Wave, Stutterer, and the upcoming short Glimpse. Following a recent screening of the film at the DGA Theatre in Los Angeles, Mr. Cleary gave insight into the making of Swan Song with fellow director Kari Skoglund. Listen on for their spoiler-filled conversation. Welcome, everybody. Uh, I have watched this beautiful picture and been so impressed with uh, the nuances and the, the storytelling style, which com- combines um, camera, very spare dialogue, very visual, very emotionally charged. Of course, you had the cast to just, you know, maximize all of those things. So where to dive in? But how about, let's start with, I feel like the style and the music just the visual style and the music were so integrated. How did you find your cinematographer and how did you find your composer? Mm, that's great. Um, thanks everyone for, for being here. Thanks Gary for doing this. Um, yeah. So the, I think, um, but yeah, that's, that's great to hear that it feels, you know, that it all feels integrated. Cause I suppose, you know, that's, that's the thing that you're really, you're, you're, you're trying to do. Um, all the way through, um, you know, Masanobu um, Takayanagi um, is a wonderful uh, DP. I've loved his work for a long time. When I got a chance to uh, to work with them, we just, you know, we sat down and had one of those great first meetings where you instantly feel like you're on the same page. He was he was speaking very much so about the emotion of the story what it meant to him. We had one of those kind of connection conversations that I always feel is a really good sign. And I thought what, what I loved about his work was he'd done, you know, m- movies like Hostiles, um, but then stuff like Silver Linings Playbook, where th- you can clearly see a, a wide sort of um, scope of, of his work. I, I think also weaving into that is the the sci-fi, the future aspect of it was so subtly done and so... Beautifully integrated as part of the sort of, you know, the icy coldness with which everyone's living, and yet this incredibly emotionally charged, you know, situation. That was so beautifully done, subtle, but authentic. It felt, you know, it Mm -hmm. felt like 10 years, I don't know what your time frame, what you chose, but it feels like... Uh, relatable. Yeah, that, that, that was a big part of the design of it as well. It's just to, because this movie is, you know, technically sci-fi, but it is, you know, um, 
it's a human story. And so it was really important to me that we create a world that feels relatable to today, right? And that we, you know, my team got sick of hearing me say, too sci-fi, too sci-fi, too, you know, and because I really wanted to try and create a world that although we had to set it, you know, slightly in the future and, you know, buy into the fact that this type of technology could exist, right, to duplicate yourself. I really wanted people to be able to watch this and kind of forget about that and believe in it enough to just go along with the ride, but then to to just fall into the human story at the heart of this. So every aesthetic decision was really, you know, pushed along by that that idea, you know, the idea that like, okay, we know what getting a cab is like nowadays with Lyft or Uber or whatever, but what if it's self-driving? We know what being on our phones is like, but what if it's augmented reality? Every single decision was trying to kind of get out of the way of the science in a sense to try and sort of, you know, service the human story. And to go back to, to you know, to Massa and, and how we did this, I think it was also about there's two sides to it. There's the present day. Cameron's kind of in this present day conundrum, a nightmare, a moral dilemma. He's going through everything. And I really wanted the present day to feel kind of considered slower push-ins, you know, a lot of symmetrical framing sort of, um, you know, really to feel, I don't know if rigid is the right word, but to feel more composed and considered. And then for when we go into the memories to really feel like there was a different style going on there. And Massa was, it was handheld. That was some of the only handheld we used. He's right there with the characters. I wanted it to feel really subjective and to be, you know, I would call it like a dance with the characters. We would sort of we would improv in the memories, but really never in the present day. So it was, it was great, like to sort of have someone like that harking back to what I was saying about like seeing hostiles and then seeing something like silver lining playbook and like loads of his other stuff. I was like, wow, there's someone who can really, you know, design a style appropriate to the project. 100%. Yeah. Um, okay. So the obvious question before we get into, um, the incredible performances that you, you, uh, collaborated with uh, your your um, actors. Obviously, acting against himself, Mahershala is, I mean, he's extraordinary. And in talking to himself, it's seamless. And thank you. I would love to hear just the technical side of how you pulled that off, and then the creative side of where he came in and how, because he had to have been part of all the discussions of how to. Um, navigate what that ultimately was going to be. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, thank you for, yeah, for saying it's seamless. I mean, in particular, the fighting scene and the, you know, <laughs> all that, right. It, 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 that's so emotionally charged. And I'm just in my head going, wow, you know, he had the, he was playing against somebody obviously, but, and then himself, you know, I mean, it's amazing. It's an amazing performance. Yeah. He's, I mean, Mahershala, wow. To get to make a, a first feature like this with, a master like Mahershala Ali, I'm still kind of pinching myself, to be honest. Um, and that was really the thing, right? To hark back again to what I was saying about this being a human story and not about the sci-fi. What I really wanted to do was design a process in which we could get out of the way, you know, like the technicals could get out of the way as much as possible and leave it open so that, you know, we, he wasn't waiting around for two hours for us to get the motion control rig to work or something. So we did it all without motion control. We used a repeatable head on one shot, the the dog shot, um, which was actually our first twinning shot, which was, which was. Is that, which is was, that how you did it with the motion control? I, I think you're talking about the one, the first time we meet 
his twin, right? Or his no, the, 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 the dog, when, when they come down, when Cameron comes down the stairs and we pan across and the two of them are there and they see the dog, we used a repeatable oh, head for that one. But aside from that, we were stitching. We were like, you know, we were, we were panning, we were steady cam and we pan across and we'd stitch it. We do it all as much as possible. I was doing it in a way where we were like split screens, we're over the shoulders, you know, we were clean in some of it and I think that that first shot you're talking about when he first sees him the first time yeah. you see him you go from you know saying Mahershala to Mahershala uh, on the you know lying prone yeah and it really this sti- I didn't see the stitch so I thought you did a great job good good well we yeah we used steady cam and we just we had, we had a wonderful steady cam up and Peter Peter Wilkie and uh we just we 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 moved off um we pulled Cameron into the room moved off him and, and landed on Jack and 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 we wanted to feel we wanted to feel a little bit of the not handheld, but like that little bit of movement you feel with Steadicam. So it just felt a little bit less, you know, kind of motion control, music video style where it goes across. You know, it was important to me to like, let's find blemishes, but keep it smooth, if right. you know what I mean. Like keep the stitch sort of invisible. Organic. Yeah. And then I think when you do that, um, it kind of feels like it's more authentic in a way. And that was the big thing, right? I wanted to really early on in the movie get it to a point where, the audience see it and then kind of forget it's one actor, uh, you know, and hopefully the movie's done that. But I think there was, there was two elements to it was like, like I'd always say to Massa and we'd always talk about this. um, How would we shoot this if we had two actors? Like, you know, what would we, you know, like, and that helped us get away from a lot of trickery and a lot of style over substance and say, well, actually if we had two actors here and we were just shooting this scene, we would, you know, we would shoot like this. We wouldn't do some big dramatic thing. So that, that was a helpful ethos. So, so I'm assuming you had a body double, but he must've been a, you know, a very significant actor in and of himself just to be able to play against Mahershala, right? So that we, he had something to play against. So that must've been a bit of a, I mean, he's a tall guy. I, 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 you must've, had a bit of trouble finding that person. Yeah. So you need to find someone who, you know, physically really does it, it, as, as close as you can find, right. Height wise, like weight wise, like all of those kind of things. So we found Shane Dean, who's this great guy and he was, he was phenomenal and so generous and, and just excellent. And so you've got to find that you've got to find someone who's really good, who can sort of, you know, be there and go toe to toe at Mahershala in a yeah. sense uh, but also really have all the the physical attributes. Like he can't be three inches shorter. It won't work with the eye lines. So you got to do all that. Right. Um, but it was, it was a really interesting process working with them. And actually a breakthrough happened for us when we, one day on set, I, I played, I took early on in, in, in when we were shooting all of Shane's scenes, I played Mahershala's audio back to him from when he'd done Cameron's side, right? When he went to Jack and Shane was there for him, but the audio was Mahershala's audio. So, so Shane was not speaking. He was just looking at him. He was actually Shane used to, what Shane would do, which was amazing. He would, he would, he would learn, he'd sit there and sometimes he'd come up to the monitor with me and he'd sit there and he'd like, like really get into like what Mahershala was doing at the time. And he'd kind of so mouth it. Kind he'd mouth it sometimes. Motions. Exactly. Wow. And the thing, the thing that's amazing, right, is that Mahershala is so 
phenomenal, but he's still, you know, he's, he's, when you, when you actually look at it, you're like, wow, he's so kind of still, he does so much with so little. So it was amazing to see Shane studying that and starting to like, you know, that was one of the things we talked about, like, look how still he is. Right. You know, and trying to give that back to Mahershala. Like he's not, he's not doing much. He's kind of like, it's all just, it's all there. Right. And so it was, it was an amazing process. But when we, when we figured that out, right, the cadence of Mahershala's delivery when he was playing Cameron was amazing because it was right there for him and he was acting off that. And sometimes I'd give him a different take to keep him, you know, give him something fresh. But it was, it was, it was really, it was amazing to see what he did with all that. You know, we were like, that's fantastic. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, All right. So uh, I do have to ask how the genesis of the project itself, just how did you come to all these wonderful themes that you've got? I know, the whole, I mean, it's grief and yet you're grieving on the opposite side of the fence, uh, you know, um, and I read in your, and one of your, we're very interested in exploring grief from a different perspective. So I'm curious how, how you just came to write such an interesting, you know, point of view. Yeah. Um, so years ago when I was, 19, 20, 21, I lost three friends, three summers in a row, um, <clears throat> sudden, you know, tragic accidents and, um, lived, saw what that was like, saw the ripples of grief that kind of spread out to everybody who's left behind having, uh, you know, having no goodbye. There's a sense of a, a lack of, um, closure, I think. And, I guess at that, at that age, I, I started to, without realizing it started to sort of catastrophize and think about it every single day, you know, like what would happen if someone else that I love passed away? What would happen to my loved ones if I, if something happens to me, you know, thought about it all the time. And then years later, an idea like Swan Song comes up and you get really drawn in by the premise, you know, just straight up by the premise. It's like, and then you realize, oh, that's my, there's my subconscious, like trying to like do like self-therapy or something, you know, <laughs> you're like, okay, I, 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 I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing. And so it was, um, it was really that it was, it was just realizing that, okay, there's a totally imagined premise, a totally imagined story, but I could see myself in that. I can see in the sense that I can see myself emotionally what I'm trying to explore there. But the thing was that although it was an exploration of grief and, and, and things like that, and in some ways I most um, relate to, to Poppy in the story um, in many ways, but it was also when, when I realized that through this story, we were going to get to see Cameron go and try to decipher if this other him was truly him and truly an authentic version of him we would be able to weave in a love story and, you know, really think about the full breadth of a life and think about, you know, a meditation on memory and identity and family and sacrifice and trust and all those things. Once that started to develop, I realized, okay, I, I think I need to tell this story as, as, as scary as trying to make something like this for a first feature is. I thought it's just, I, I, I need to try and do it. Well, you brilliantly interwove kind of this ticking time clock with uh, of his life with the ticking time clock of will it be discovered? 
with, um, you know, you, you've, you took us on quite a journey as we're going down his path right up to his jealousy as you would be. I mean, I was putting myself in the, in the shoes thinking, you know, yes, you would be incredibly jealous of this life that you're not going to live and yet you are going to live. So it's a <clears throat> wonderful conundrum and such a vulnerable and gentle performance. Uh, let me ask you out of interest, first feature working with, you know, a Titan like that, who I'm sure is a very generous man. Cause I've worked with him as well. And he is, uh, he is exactly what you would expect a real gentleman. But how did you approach talking about each scene? It seems like you really knew what you were doing, like what every scene was about and where you were going with it. Is that the case or how much collaboration, how much finding a scene went on or were you totally glued down or open to suggestion? How did all that work? Completely open to suggestions. I mean, if you're not, if you're, if you're in a room with Mahersh Ali and you're not taking on his suggestions, you're missing out on a lot. He is incredible. The first time I sat down and spoke with him when I heard he loved the script and then I got to sit with him for two hours, um, that first meeting we had at the end of which he was like, I want to do the film. And I was like, holy shit. Um, but he's, we immediately clicked. We clicked into what the movie meant for us, you know, what, how we were connected to the story. We just started opening up and talking about things. It was one of those meetings where but minute by minute I was just more energized and all that kind of thing. But we, the the way it unfolded was was amazing because we had so many daily on, on set. So even just on set, after all the prep we'd done and everything, just on set, we would have these great conversations where we would find things and we would, we'd be, I remember this, it was a great moment for me and actually something that was really educational for me as a, as a first time director. But there's a moment in the movie where he's looking, he's sitting there and he's looking at his uniform and he's about to go down and get his memory transferred over. And he's sort of just looking at his uniform. And I thought, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll hit a wide, I'll come in, I'll get like a, you know, a medium, medium close, and then I'll get sort of his POV over the shoulder something like that. Done. We'll just in and out, you know? And before the scene, you know, me and Mahershala, one of our, like, oh yeah, let's chat about it. And we got into this like long conversation, you know, and we ended up talking about the whole movie essentially, right? What it means, like, what's the motivation? Why is he really doing this? Like, what's going on? And through that conversation, I realized like, wow, on every scene, like there's no easy scene. On every scene, he's going there. On every scene, he's having to go to that place of someone who's got very little time left. Everything's on the line for him. And there's just, there's nothing easy and that was, that's a small example, I suppose, of the stuff that we were doing all the time. But it was like, it was such a, it was such a great thing to, to, to realize for me, like, oh, that's where he's going to every time with this. And that's where he'll go with me on it too, right? We can get right into all this and some of the conversations we had and the things we discovered. And he's, he's, he's so in control of his craft that you can go off and have this amazing conversation with them at the start of the day, like an hour long thing. And you're talking through stuff and you'll start to see it in the choices he makes during the day. And it, and it's amazing. It's, it's, you know, it's interesting. Yeah. You bring up time because <laughs> time on set is our enemy. And we so rarely get to have, first of all, uh, how, what was your schedule? How many days? 
We had 55 days. We split during Christmas. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. With the COVID of it. That COVID, all got, yeah. This was shot during COVID by the way. So um, that in itself is a, as a, uh, you know, testimony to, uh, you know, achievement. Um, so it, in that time, it, it's interesting you bring that up because the creativity, we end up sort of on, on set kind of fighting time and any time I feel, and it sounds like you had a very different experience, which is fantastic. And I'm going to take that away for myself because I get all antsy going, oh, we're having too much time talking. I mean, you know, like, it's talk time, not we're, and I, you know, I move it off set and I get all kind of, you know, we got to get them lighting and, and it throws an energy into it, which is kind of, okay, we just got to get it done, get it in focus, get it done, you know, and de- depending on whether you're in a short schedule or a longer, more language, language schedule like yours. But um, I think it's important to protect that. Yeah. And, and I think it's, you know, in our first ID, Thomas Smith, who's just phenomenal, um, definitely had a few moments where he's like, guys, get on and do the thing. But I, what I would say is that Mahershala, we, it was very rare. I did a lot of takes. There was, there was a few times, real rare couple of scenes where, you know, we, we, we went deep into, to takes and that was, that was collaborative too. It was like, he wanted to keep, you know, going right. for something. He's telling you, I, 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 yeah. I still have more performance in me. I got to go. I got to go. Yeah. Again. We're spurring each other on, it. right. Going, yeah. Like, okay. We're, you know, but then, but, but most of the time, like, and I'll move, once I've got it, I move on. Like if I've got it in the take. I'll move on. And, and everyone kind of goes, wait, what are we, I'm like, well, we got it, you know? And sometimes you do another one or whatever, but, um, but so the thing was, is that it wasn't like it was taking rehearsal, lots of takes to, to work. Right. So you he felt was, like that time in the morning was really well spent because then 100%. the rest of the, it informs the rest of the day. Yeah. He's like, he, it's like, it's like he's, uh, you know, a master of an incredible instrument, like a musician or something. Right. He just, he he knows what he's going to do and he does it. There's, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's amazing to see. You know? And how did you keep track of, obviously it, the, there's a linear story, but you obviously didn't shoot it in, in a, you know, in chronology. So were you so inside it that you, you knew exactly where you were all the time or was that also informed by, because obviously when you're going out of order and this nuanced performance needs to be informed of every beat, but you can get it out of order if you discover something there and then have to, you know, realize, oh, I wasn't informed by that performance and need to take it back to this performance. How did you manage all that? Yeah, that was a huge part of my job in this film. I think mainly because it's always our job, right? To make sure that um, the actor's that you're watching the, the arc, you know, and that you're, you're watching the temperature, um, as it goes. But I think especially with it, with twinning, a big part of my thing was to, to, to speak to Mahershala and, and, and make sure we, we, we knew exactly where we were at each, at each stage, right. And be a sounding board sometimes just to like, you know, yeah, I think I'm here and then do it and sometimes say, well, actually this felt a bit like sometimes I'd rarely, um, you know, ask a, an actor to come to monitor, like never basically, I think, but with some of the twinning, sometimes it was like, okay, check, let, let's check this out. Let's watch right. this together. So we know the kind of 
the, the, the temperature, the tempo of it, you know. Well, he definitely was very much a partner in this, not only as a producer, but he would have to be in order to, for the two of you to work in some kind of synergy so that you, you both knew where you were at all times uh, without getting lost. But let me ask you, was there any path of discovery? It's one thing to go in thinking, you know, you know, every step, but then one hopes that the, the set or the actor or the situation or the dog does something that then informs you of a new, a new nuance that you hadn't thought of. Did, was there any of that going on? Yeah, absolutely. I think he, I think Mahershala was finding things. It, it's, it's an incredible thing what he did really, but he was finding things through his memory of what he did on the other side that were informing his, his process on, on, on the other side. Right. Which is a, it's a weird concept, but like he was remembering some of the stuff that he did as him over there, that he was, that, that was then informing him, right. He was almost listening to his previous performance. It was, and then we get to the edit and like the amazing thing was that because the characters look totally identical and in some twinning, uh, twinning movies, um, you know, there's, there's a, a sort of, um, a physical difference or they've done something right. That's, that's, uh, Mahershala had to find that interior thing, you know? And I think that how he did that and, and little things like playing the audio, his own audio back were helpful. That's but brilliant. That's brilliant. I'm totally stealing that. Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> but it's great. It's great. He, 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 it was amazing because he was just sort of taking it in and, and sort of, you know, because listening is such a big thing for an actor, right? To truly be in the, in the moment and be um, reacting to that. But it was, it was, it was incredible to see what he found when we got to the edit, right? Like we were doing really kind of dirty comps to see what the twinning looked like, just so I could make sure like, okay, eye lines are cool. Technically we're cool, all that. But to actually get into the edit and be like, wow, look at that. Look at, look at how he, um, maneuvered that it was, uh, it was kind of something else. I'm still. Now quickly, um, I know we've, our time is just about up, but, um, the music, I started out with that and we didn't go down that, uh, that road. I'd love to hear how you found your composer and because it was so informed by music, um, the subtlety of an image, we, you know, my emotions were very charged by, by whatever tone and very subtle. So how did you find him? Or her. It was him. Jay Wadley. Jay. Yeah. Um, he, how did I find, I think our, um, I can't remember exactly how his, how his, oh, it was the, the Charlie Kaufman movie. So he'd done the Charlie Kaufman, the latest Charlie Kaufman movie, which I'd seen. And that's how I knew, uh, of Jay, I think. Um, and again, we just had one of those conversations, you know, I know pretty quick when I'm speaking to someone, if they're like connected to it, but he was, um, he was phenomenal. We had very little time to, to score this picture. And did you bring him in early on or later? Late, late. late. Yeah. He, he was incredible. I think we scored it in like uh, two months or something, but it was like early on. I remember meeting him like, and very early on saying like, do you want to just cut the like, get to know you thing and just go straight in? And he was like, <laughs> yeah, man. And he, so we, so it was great. It was, but, but the, my main thing was like, okay, I really want to, we've got a, we've got a bit of a genre in here, right. That we have to think about, but really this is like subjective. Like I want this to feel human. I want to make sure that the music as much as possible isn't sitting on top of the character. Right. right? It was very and, spare. Like yeah. writing. I was complimenting him 
about his writing style, which is very spare and uh, using the the visuals to really tell the story. I think um, it's a wonderful blend. Um, so what's next? So I'm working on a, um, I'm writing a feature at the moment. I'm writing a series um, and I've got another feature that's sort of in treatment D kind of stage at the moment. So a few things that I'm juggling, I'm kind of, it's great, you know, I mean, you're kind of so deep in one pro, you know, and yeah. then you're like, well, what's next? And it's other things feel so exciting and alive. So I'm sort Are of, you finding in your next thing without revealing it that you are, cause you've been so mired in this grief and death and life and, and all these, um, extremes of, but very, you know, there's a, a tragic kind of centerpiece at, at the core of all this work. Um, so are you going to lighten up? <laughs> <laughs> Comedy next. Um, I, I gravitate towards things that, that, that are personal, you know? And so. I don't know that anyone's seen it, but, um, there's a wonderful, your short that, that won the Oscar, which, um, uh, so he says first time director, but not really, um, called stutter, which, uh, you can find on YouTube actually. Um, and it's beautiful and it's a, also a beautiful performance. You have a way of, um, talking to, what's your, what's your secret sauce? <laughs> I think if you, uh, <laughs> I have no secret sauce, definitely, but it's just like, I suppose I, um, I gravitate towards the stories where I feel I can tell a really personal thing, even though it's hidden in a metaphor or some kind of idea, like someone in stutterer who has a real difficulty speaking, but you know, I, I, I empathize very deeply with that character for a lot of, a lot of personal reasons and and, uh, things that happened to me. So it's, um, that's when I know I can do a thing. So yeah. So it all comes from some internal voice. Yeah, I think that's when I know I can probably live with an idea for long enough to. Now, as an auteur, let me ask you: um, Are you always only going to direct your own movies that you've written, or do you feel open to uh, to directing? You know, working with a writer and trying something that they've written, or is that too foreign? Oh, a hundred percent. If something, I mean, yeah, if, if something landed in my lap that I felt like that was, you know, fitted my sensibilities and, and, and was something I could explore that I could see myself in, right? Like so many great, uh, projects, you don't have to write, but if you find yourself in it, right. Amazing. I mean, some of my or favorite films, it, if that's the case, to or you, it, yeah. right, right, exactly. But you know, it's, it's like, yeah, some literally a lot of my favorite films were done from people who uh, got the script and made it their own. You know, so yeah, that'd be great. Well, skip, have, skip the hard part. I have, you know? I have no doubt that your your phone will be ringing and uh, the doors, you know, will be opening around Hollywood for you. So, um, I, sadly, we have to wind this up. I'm getting the one minute. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank and, you so uh, much. Thank you all for being here. Oh, thank you, everybody. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Thanks for listening to another DGA Q&A. If you'd like to hear more, The Director's Cut is available wherever you listen to podcasts. And please share, subscribe, rate, and review. We'd love to hear your feedback, and you can help fellow film buffs find the show. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is produced by the Directors Guild of America 